0: For us, looking at the go-to-market, we added, I think, maybe a couple, one or two personas to what we had initially, but really it was more of a question of tailoring how we spoke to those personas and how we got in front of them changed a little bit because what we had to offer had changed, not in terms of the necessarily the end result, but how we got there.
1: Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Modern Business Operations. I'm your host, Brianna Autry, and today I am joined by Justin Kinchin. He's the Director of Operations and Strategic Initiatives at Tyler Technologies.
0: We've got all sorts of fun divisions and portals and things like that. So, so yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to get into it. So, When we chatted before this call, one of the focal points of our conversation was the fact that you recently went through an acquisition and you sort of had to build out a go-to-market function or sort of overhaul the entire go-to-market function. From an operational standpoint, that is hectic and daunting.
0: Yeah, that's the fun stuff too, though. That's the stuff that I feel like a lot of people get into operations for is that strategy and Vision and executing. So it, maybe that's just me, but that's definitely the fun stuff for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, it gives you something to live for. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> if nothing else. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so before we dig into that, I want to chat about where you come from. So how did you get into this current role? What were you doing before this? I know ops is a role that a lot of people sort of fall into. It's not necessarily like a set path. So I'm curious yeah. to hear what your journey has been.
0: Yeah, for sure. So like you said, we're currently the director of operations and we're the, as of now, the Arkansas portal of Tyler's digital solutions division. So prior to the acquisition, that was the just the Arkansas division, NIC. So as you said, we were acquired back in the spring of 21. But before that, I led a customer success and pre-sales team at a benefits administration software company, State of Path. And really before I kind of moved into the software space, I built and ran operations and business development for two different companies, uh, in the retail and the transportation spaces. So I've always you know, really been entrepreneurial. I grew up working with my dad and working with his company. My dad was one of those people who just sort of like, figure this out because I don't want to deal with it from a very young age. So that's something that has really just kind of stuck with me and something I've always really enjoyed doing, just kind of enabling and executing on a vision of an entrepreneurial idea. And that's kind of the common thread that's just really led me here and, and kept me in operations.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense and interesting journey. And yeah, you kind of have your own sort of business here running the strategy and ops over here at Tyler. So it sort of fits, right?
0: Yeah, it's fun. It's kind of how I look at everything. Is if this was my business, if I was going to make a business out of this, how would I build this? How would I execute this? How would I facilitate this? It's a blessing or a curse, depending on if you enjoy this stuff. That's sort of the vision I see the world through, I guess.
1: Absolutely. And what does Tyler Technologies do, for those who don't know?
0: We're in the GovTech space. So really what we do is we only work with government partners, and that ranges across local, state level, federal, everything in between. So software for courts, assessors, appraisers, professional licensing, tax, tax assessment, pretty much anything you can think of. We have some sort of software that we do for those markets.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. An interesting area. It's not something I'm super familiar with.
0: Neither was I until I moved into this. It's very diverse within just mm. that, you know, again, that sort of monolithic GovTech moniker. So a lot of different places you can dig in.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about the acquisition. How did it come about? What's the story there?
0: So, you know, NIC was a really great company, a huge company that had a really long history of being one of the dominant companies in the GovTech space, along with Tyler. They had very different approaches, did very different solutions, things like that. You know, NIC really navigated the pandemic very successfully. And obviously, Tyler saw an opportunity to just aggressively expand their footprint and their market share. So now we're this massive power player in the GovTech space that we just kind of have our hands in everything. So super cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So how did the acquisition sort of affect you and your team? What were some of the biggest like immediate impacts for you guys?
0: You know, right out of the gate, for us especially, it gave us access to just a whole new host of technologies and products that we could bring to our market. And really get people excited about those things and, and find ways to use them. That was really the imminent thing for us. We had primarily before the acquisition, majority been a uh, custom development company, and we had products that we supported and that we sold, but mostly custom development in our space. And that really flipped around overnight. We had all these products now that didn't have to do custom development, and you know, we had these products that we could deploy for a host of opportunities. So it, it really kind of changed our mindset overnight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so how did you figure out what needed to change when you guys were having these conversations? I'm sure it was a lot of confusion and excitement.
0: It was definitely very exciting for us. We went from this scenario where most of our closed opportunities sort of went from discovery to production within a couple months. Very flat team structure, Mm. very generalist approach to our teams and to our roles. And we were trying to move further in the product direction already. But the like I said, the acquisition really enabled that to happen rapidly. But that changed a lot for us because, you know, the ramp on these new types of product deals really jumped up to like a minimum of twelve to eighteen months or more. So Mm. for us, that meant our opportunity volume was going to decrease significantly. Right out of the gate, it was pretty clear to me we were gonna have to really rebuild our go to market strategy and our tactics, mainly to kind of facilitate widening that funnel, right, for opportunities because they were gonna decrease in volume to give ourselves a good healthy pipeline and enable our sales teams and our delivery teams but most importantly we were also going to have to really specialize our teams Mm -hmm. and our roles much more so than they've been in the past so that we could manage and really execute on this very different pipeline and this very different approach to projects much more intricate projects much longer projects that was really immediately the two things that kind of hit me and you know i was like we got a lot of work to do
1: yeah sounds like it
0: this episode is brought to you by tonkin Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast.
1: And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the AdaptiveOps community at operations.community. So were you sort of dealing with two different cells and two different pipelines, or was it like same product?
0: Our actual market didn't change a whole lot. lot. We were able to go after some larger opportunities, where Mm -hmm. in the past, custom development would have become very prohibitively expensive for our types of leads and our types of clients. But that definitely changed, but still very much the same decision makers So, you know, like for us looking at the go-to-market, we added, I think, maybe a couple, one or two personas to what we had initially. But really, it was more of a question of tailoring how we spoke to those personas and how we got in front of them changed a little bit because what we had to offer had changed. Not in terms of the necessarily the end result, but how we got there. So, yeah, Yeah. it's still very much a single pipeline, I would say.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So did you have to sort of rip and replace or make the tech that you had work? Or did they bring stuff over?
0: Yes and no. Oddly, So you know, we, we got a lot of tools we didn't have access to before, but so far, none of them were really primary tools necessarily. Mm-hmm. We really were able to use what we had, albeit we had to make a lot of tweaks and repurpose some of them, as well as to improve upon and kind of build onto some of them fairly elegantly as well. The most critical changes that we had to make were really to our Salesforce instance. That was going to be the bulk of the work, which it was adding process automation to kind of benefits to stay lean, but facilitate the scaling up. We implemented a more formal opportunity pipeline, CPQ, and then really integrating all of that with sort of our existing processes in terms of like accounting and billing and project management. So that was really not so much ripping out and replacing new tech, but just really repurposing some of the stuff that we had.
1: Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And how did change management play into all this?
0: Well, unsurprisingly, (laughs) quite a bit. Kind of to your point earlier, initially, this was a very exciting development. shouldn't say initially. It it remains a very exciting development. But on our end, we were really excited about this. It was a huge opportunity to us. Everybody was really excited to specialize more and to kind of Mm -hmm. focus on more refined work roles. But, you know, selling and coaching, new processes, the handoffs, those require that was really critical and really a sustained, very intentional effort over time. Fortunately, we handled that really well. We overcame some inertia pretty quickly. We got really great adoption, and it's been a very positive process. We haven't really had any negativity to combat. Most impressively, I think we've maintained a 100% retention rate really throughout this journey within our revenue operations. So that's not super common as far as mergers and acquisitions go and all that kind of stuff. So that's been really positive and really rewarding to have happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So with all of this, what's sort of your overall takeaway of an ops professional going through an acquisition, regardless of their function? A lot falls on their shoulders, right? It's very make or break. The success of the acquisition has a lot to do with the ops team that's running it. So it would be your advice. What are your takeaways?
0: In our division, to me, it really comes down to everything else. You know, it's just breaking down what the inputs are and understanding where you want to get to and where you want to be. For operations, that's really the whole core of go-to-market, right, is understanding what you have, who you need to target, how you need to target them, how you need to deliver, and everything else. So it's understanding what all your inputs are, really leaning into the details, and just really trying to take a big-picture look at where you want to get to and chunking that down into small steps throughout the process. Just like anything, if you're looking at this huge task and that's all you see, you're never going to accomplish it. So it's just getting your chisel out and busting it down into small rocks and pebbles and getting after it, you know?
1: Yeah. Big rocks. That's how we, we chat internally. We're like, what are our big rock items? What are our small rock items?
0: And it sounds like, I don't know if you have, but there's a book called traction. That's a huge pillar of the book Mm -hmm. traction and it's a really great book. We use that consistently every day. It's a, it's a huge part of our approach to the business.
1: Got it. All right. Those listening in, if you haven't read Traction yet, which I suspect many of you have, go take a look. So I love asking this question. I ask it to most people who come on the show. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received in your career?
0: Definitely what you schedule is what you prioritize. A rewash of your focus determines your reality. But yeah, that's been really, really critical for me throughout my career, even really before that. Especially now, I feel like it's more important than ever. We have more Digital alerts and slacks and emails and just impromptu video calls. It's very difficult to do your best work and deep thought work, especially without really scheduling time and being very intentional and not to get too far back to the rock thing, but that's kind of the concept, right? Is if you have to fit, you know, all this stuff into your single day's jar, you know, if you, it's so easy to let it fill up with all these little tiny things that are easy wins and you look up and it's five, six o'clock and you haven't done anything towards your big rocks. So that's always something I really keep in mind. I found to be a very powerful guiding tenet of my career, at least.
1: Yeah, 100%. That's great advice. It's a good reminder as well for me. I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, that's very freaking true. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a mantra. You have to remind yourself. It's easy to let it slip, you know?
1: Yeah, I need to write that on the wall of my office or something. So last question, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Shoot me a message or a connect request or whatever, and you can email me. If you want, that's on there as well. so You can check that out. So, yeah, drop me a line. Always happy to connect with people and meet new folks.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you, Justin. It's been really nice chatting with you, and I appreciate you you taking the time today. And have a great rest of your day.
0: You do the same. Thank you so much.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode of modern business operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash MBO pod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes.